Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. Let's dive into it. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13 is our foundational text. And it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, Well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the bullfrogs. But but what about you, Jesus asked? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now friends, let's not miss the significance of this moment that we're reading about tonight when for the very first time somebody said out loud that we are aware of in the chronicle of history, when somebody declared out loud that Jesus was in fact the Christ, the Son of God. And our passage this evening marks a really an awesome progression in the ministry of Jesus, where He'd started off being this carpenter from the middle of nowhere, this two-bit town called Nazareth, who went out into the wilderness and was baptised by John the Baptist, began this three-year ministry period that literally defined the history books as we now know them. Split time in 2 BC, AD. We celebrate His birth at Christmas and His death and resurrection at Easter. This Jesus, this was, this was an amazing moment when people began for the very first time to say out loud that Jesus was the Son of God. And as important as this moment is, For Jesus in His ministry life, I want you to understand there's a second character in our story whose life this very day was turned around and completely changed by one exchange that He had with Jesus. And and my prayer is that in this room this evening, somebody's gonna have some kind of exchange with Jesus. That maybe in these next few minutes, what took place for one man whose name was Simon, might happen for you. Before Jesus jumped into the life of Simon, Simon was a fisherman. He was a man who made his living by going out normally at nighttime, casting his nets into the sea. He would pull in a catch of fish and then in the morning, he would sell them on the shores of the lake where he lived. And you might say, well, that's great, Simon, that you were doing this with your life. And I think it's significant that everybody in this room occupies their life, that we do something with our time and our talents and the resources and opportunities that are given to us. But the thing that we should note about Simon is that he was living as a lowly fisherman, yet the potential of his life was to be the lead apostle of God's early church. Literally, when Jesus departed this planet, The guy that he left in charge, out of all of the 11 that were remaining, the number one amongst the 11 
was the guy that we're reading about tonight whose name is Simon. All the potential in the world, all the ability on, uh, given from heaven straight into his heart. I'm sure he was a man aware of his potential at some level. Yet when we jump into his life story, we find him living as just a lowly fisherman. And my question for us this evening is how can it be that a man with such a great potential is living so far beneath it? How can it be that time and time again, you see some beautiful girl with all the promise and potential in the world who's going out with some dropkick loser belittling her every day of her life and treating her a lot less than the princess God made her to be? How can it be that you can find a young man, many young men, in fact, there might be someone in this room with talent, potential, intelligence, the ability to do something great with their life, yet they might believe nothing great about themselves at all, drop out of school way too young, opt for a lifestyle that is so far beneath the potential for greatness that God gave to them. How can it be that you can find somebody who is truly beautiful and, and God has destined them to do great things, yet they might take a razor blade and cut their skin with such feelings of self-loathing and hatred? How can it be that our world is full with so many people whom God has chosen, gifted, talented, enabled, and wants to use for His glory, Yet Simon is in no way the only one who walks through the journey of their life and finds themselves living so far beneath the potential that God has for them. Well, my friends, I want you to know I've got an answer for you. And the answer to this problem, the answer to Simon's journey, and I believe it's exactly the same challenge that we all face in our lives, is that the problem lies not in their potential, the problem lies not in their calling. The problem lies not in what they could do with their lives, but the problem lies in the picture that they have of the person that they are. Because if there is anything true about life, my friends, it is that the way you see yourself is going to determine so much of the way you live your life. Would you note with me that when Simon begins this interchange with Jesus, first thing that he does is he begins to tell Jesus who he is. Now, if you want your life to change, if you want your dreams to come alive, if you want potential to drop into your life this very night, then I wanna encourage you to have the same boldness that we find in Simon, who is willing to say, you're not just a religious figure, you're not just a good man, you're not just a guy with a few little proverbial things that we can quote and say, Jesus is a good teacher. He was willing to say about Jesus, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God. You're not just a man, you're a God. You are worthy of my worship, worthy of my adoration. And Simon started telling Jesus who he is. And I want you to know that if this evening you'll start telling God who he is, then he's gonna turn up in your life and he's gonna start telling you who you are. And Jesus answered Simon when he let out that great exclaim and he said, blessed are you, Simon. Now you would miss it if you just read this in your Bible when you read two words, Simon and Peter. But this word Simon, when you actually look and what the word means, because we now have names for things that used to be objects. Simon, 
But in the Greek, the original language that the Bible was written, the word could be best translated into English, read, read. You've all seen a reed at some moment in your life, like you go past a pond or a, a river or, you know, an estuary perhaps, and you see on the side of that estuary those shoots that just stick up into the middle of nowhere. And, you know, when boats go past, they, they just bend to and fro. You all know what I'm talking about? We're, we're talking here about a reed. And Simon has had somebody speak over his life a name. A name that conjured a picture. And the picture was, you are a reed. You are, you are vacillating, inconsistent, impetuous, dictated to by circumstance and pressure. You easily give when pressure comes. You are moldable. You are shapeable. You are, you are not to be depended upon because wind and waves and storms and trials can happen to you. And Jesus jumps into this man, Simon's life. And he says, blessed are you, Simon, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And note the next sentence. Jesus says, and I tell you, Simon, that you are Peter. Peter. Now, when you read this word Peter in the original Greek, not the Hebrew and the Greek, when you read the original word, Jesus literally is saying, you are Peter, meaning you are Petros, a Greek word that means rock. Jesus came to Simon and he said, Simon, I want you to understand this very day that I don't know who told you you're a reed, but I'm here to tell you that you're not a reed, you're a rock. You're not a loser, you're a winner. You're not the tail, you're the head. You're not rejected, you're accepted. You're not lowly, you're highly. You're not worthless, you're priceless. Jesus jumped into Simon's life. And he said, I'm here to rip down every lie that's ever been spoken over you. You are not Simon, you are Peter, you are a rock. And it gives more context as Jesus continues in our text tonight. And he said, and upon this rock, I will build my church and doesn't matter whatever tries to come against you, Peter, hell might get up in your grill, but it will not prevail against you. And I want you to know that heaven's got your back and whatever you bind on earth is gonna be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth is gonna be loose in heaven. Angels will be at your command and God is gonna get your back in every moment of life. This moment literally changed Simon's life as he began to realise that he was not the picture that he'd always had. As he began to realise that he wasn't Simon, he was Peter. Notice what Jesus said and notice what Jesus did not say because in every translation that you read this, you'll never find a translation that says, and now you will be called Peter. He didn't say that. He didn't say we're gonna upgrade your nickname, we're gonna change your, we're gonna change this, you know, just this thing. He said, you are Peter. You are not a nobody, you're not a reed, you are a rock. You are solid and you are dependable. And my friends, I believe that as we're about this reflection series, that one of the things that God wants to come and do for you and I is He wants to change some pictures, some pictures. See, because at the end of the day, what unites us all as people is that we are pictorial beings. We live our lives out of pictures. We don't think in phrases or text. We think in pictures. 
We live with these crazy movies that are playing on the inside of our minds, don't we? We've all, we're all living with movies. We're all living with pictures. And I'll give you a test and you'll all, you'll all find that you understand what I'm talking about a little bit clearer tonight when I, when I help you to understand this. Have you ever had an argument with somebody? Now, my brother Brent, you know, is very, very witty. He's never without the right response. But I don't have that gift. I, I just, you know, if people start to go, you know, with me in a, a verbal agreement, disagreement, I always get to a point where I have nothing to say. So, you know, we'll be in a conflict and somebody will say to me like, well, yeah, and they'll be like, yeah, well, you, you know, and then they'll be like, well, you, and maybe I've got one more and I'll be like, you know, well, yeah, yeah, and then they'll say that thing, that thing. You know what I'm talking about? That thing, that phrase that they get you. It's a little too close to home. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And then I'll just be like, yeah, well, and I got nothing. Anybody, any, any other witless people out there want to join with me? Any, any honest people? Yeah, thank you, thank you. Three or four, lots of liars out here tonight who didn't want to lift their hands, you know. And then, and then what will happen, because I'm a good Jesus follower, you know, so I'll, I'll leave that, that, that heated discussion, you know what I'm talking about? And, and I'll go home and I will, I will do what every Christian should do and I'll replay the argument over in my mind. Anybody ever done this? And, and it's literally like we are having I'm, having, I'm having my own little movie theater. You know, like it's just going on and they say what they say and I, I say what I said and then they say what they said and then I said what I said and then they say the thing. You know what I mean? And in my movie, I've got a response and it's like a down for the count kind of response. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And in my mind, I'm like, oh, John, that is just phenomenal. <laughs> Anybody ever had that kind of experience? Yeah, it's a movie, right? It's a movie. It's playing over in your mind. It's playing over in your heart. You're always playing movies in your heart because we are pictorial people. And there is a most important picture that you have. And if I could upgrade it tonight, I would. That's the picture that you have of the God that you worship. Because if there is one thing about life that is absolutely certain, it is that the size of your God will determine the size of your life. If you have a small God, you'll have a small life. But if you have a big God, you'll have a big life. But my friends, second only to the picture that you have of the God that you worship, the most important picture that you have in your life is the picture you have of the person that you are. Because it doesn't matter where in the world you're watching this movie or who you are in this auditorium tonight, the picture that you have of the person that you are is going to determine virtually everything about the life that you live. The picture that you have of the person that you are, we could call that this evening your self-portrait. It is the picture that you painted. It's been molded by experiences you've had in life by the way that things have happened to you or the way people have treated you or the absence or presence of encouragement in your life or maybe just the, the myriad of experiences, positive and negative, have led you to a place where every single one of us has a self-portrait, a picture that you have of the person that you are. We could call that self-portrait your self-image. It's, it's the picture that you carry. At the moment, that picture is determining everything about your emotional state. The picture that you have 
of the person that you are is determining the way you walked in here tonight, what you feel comfortable wearing, who you are attracted to and who you aren't, what you feel worthy of and what you feel unworthy of. It's gonna determine your response to difficulty and troubles, whether you rise or whether you fall, whether you allow bad things to destroy you and mold you into their image, or whether you see difficult times in your life as being hurdles that you have to overcome because God loves you and He's got something greater in store. Everything about our lives comes back to the picture that we have of the person that we are. And the truth is, my friends, you don't have to look too far to find somebody who clearly has the wrong picture of who they are. Is this not true? I mean, if you doubt this, then just check out the tryouts for idols. For idol, you know what I'm talking about? New Zealand idol, Australian idol, American idol, whatever idol you're looking at, these people go out there and it's like, guys, did you know people are going to film you doing this? They're looking for high achievers and the other end of the spectrum to put you on international television. And this person's out there like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna sing, you know, Beyonce, you know what I mean? It's like, and then they're like burst into the song and, and, and I like watch, I put all my Christianity to one side. Like I, I love, I don't like watching all the like sessions of idols, but just those one or two, like when they do, right at the beginning, you know, you just forget that you're a Christian, put all your sympathy over to one side. And then just for an evening, just watch these people and you're just like, what are you doing? And, and you watch them and they're like, ah, you know, they burst out. And I like watching the judges, you know. You've always got that girl judge who just never wants to say anything negative, you know. And they're like. Okay, you know. And then you've got Simon, stop, quit, this pair will get out. You're never coming back, you know what I mean? And you're like, what on earth are you doing? What on earth are you doing? You have talent, you have gifting. God never made a failure or a mistake. But listen, sweetheart, listen, bro, where you are tonight is not what you're supposed to be doing. How can this be? And the reality is the reason why they're there where they clearly shouldn't be is because they have a wrong picture of the person that they are. If there's one thing certain about every life in this room, you will always end up living the picture that you have of the person that you are. It's the certainty of life. Anybody out there like go-kart racing? Anyone like go-kart racing? Oh, that's like the highest lifting of hands we've had this entire evening. I love go-kart racing. You know, I mean, it's just so good. They tell you that, you know, you're not supposed to crash your friends into the tires. That's just, they're lying. I mean... Why put the tires there if you're not supposed to send your friends into them? It's like, duh, of course, they got the tires there so that my buddy can fly into the tires and still live. That's the whole, he's got a helmet, he'll be fine, you know? And you get out there and, and, and you know, if you're watching the race before you, what are you doing? You're looking for the fastest go-kart, right? That's what I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, yeah don't talk to me. I'm looking for the fastest go-kart. And then, then, you know, some little 12-year-old kid who weighs 40 kilos jumps out of it, you know, but you still run over there thinking it's gonna be the fastest one, not realizing that your 90 kilograms is gonna change the power to weight ratio. And then, you know, they start the race once everybody's got it and you put your foot to the pedal, to the metal. And one thing you should never do in go-kart racing is lift your foot off the accelerator again. Until they drag your body from that pitch, until you are uh, dragged out of that go-kart, until a man stands in front of you, the pedal stays to the ground and it never gets lifted. 
you, you start around that court, you know, that, that track and, and it's like, brrr, after half, to, half a lap, it's like, brrr, you know what I mean? You start to feel excited, like, oh, okay, 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 you know, three quarters are like, brrr. after an entire lap while your friends are just popping out the gate and you get to overtake them, it's like, brrr, and you're like, oh, okay, okay, this go-kart, this could take me somewhere. We could actually have a great night tonight. We, we've taken a little while to get started, but it's getting busy. And then suddenly, suddenly, as that go-kart is starting to step into its full calling of speed that God designed it to have, suddenly this is what starts happening. It goes, time that you're out there, it begins to make this like, I got potential. I don't have potential. I got this potential. I don't have potential. I could go somewhere. I can't go anywhere. And the reason why is they put a demon inside those go-karts. I swear to you, I'm preaching. It's called a governor. It's called a governor. I'm not talking about the governor. I'm talking about a governor. It's a little thing they put inside the go-kart engine that prevents the go-kart once it reaches a certain velocity from either having fuel or oxygen and starves the go-kart of the ability to go faster. Your self-image is your governor. Because at the end of the day, my friend, it really doesn't matter what's gonna happen to you in life. I mean, you could literally win idol. You could win lotto. You could get everything you've ever thought, audacious belief and dream. You could meet Bieber. You could have everything. Every airport's full of Bieber today, but you know, you could, you could have all of your desires come true. But at the end of the day, that might be a momentary high. Or listen, you might go through absolutely crazy challenges that would rip most people out. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a self-image, if you don't have a picture of who you are that believes that you can do it, all the good things in the world will drag you, you'll get dragged back down again. But you know what? If you've got the right kind of self-image, if you understand who God's made you to be, then my friend, you can go through hell and high water. You can have all kinds of difficulties come your way and something's gonna rise up on the inside of you and say, this might be a challenge that I am going through, but it is not what God has for me. I am not a loser, I am a winner. I am not a reject, I am accepted. I am not a failure, I am gonna overcome this, this adversity. God destined me to win, God put His promise in my life. I'm gonna do something great for God. I'm gonna be a world changer. And at the end of the day, my friend, it all comes back to the picture that you have of the person that you are. If you have a Bible, could you turn with me this evening to a really powerful scripture? It's in the book of Genesis, the first chapter. We're going all the way to the beginning to drop this straight this evening. And in verse 26 of the book of Genesis, it might pop up on your screen. It says, then God said, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over all the livestock, over all the ground and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And then in verse 27, it says, so God created man and woman in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
Verse 26, let us make man in our own image. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Let us make man in our own image. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now, if you've ever read the Bible a lot, and I've read it many, many times cover to cover, I want you to know that seldom does God ever repeat something. Yet in the very first chapter of the Bible, just when the story is getting started, God's like a broken record over one thing. When God made you, He did not make a reject. He did not make a dysfunctional being. He did not make a lesser than, lower than. You are the best thing God ever made. God made you in His own image. God is the best thing in all the world. And listen, my friends, second only to God is you. You're better than a sunset. You're more beautiful, more powerful than a raging river. You've got more ability inside of you than any natural talent, any ability, any natural force of nature. You're the best thing that God ever made. And my friend, God wants you to know this evening that you are not made in the image of your parents or your past or that tragic moment in your high school days or that setback you experienced in some desperate season. No, you were made in the image of God. You are special, you are brilliant and you are loved by God. And if you believe it, could you give yourself a big clap and give God a clap for making you? Come on, I think you can do a lot better than that. So let me ask you a question. If God created us in His own image, why is it that the vast majority of people in our world today struggle with a low self-image? There is a God who loves you. But friend, if you're new to this church deal tonight, it's so important that you understand that there is a devil who hates you. Let me tell you one thing about the devil. He cannot, he cannot destroy God. But God only had one son and he sent that son to die for you. That's because God loves you so much. So I guess it stands to reason that if the devil can't destroy God and he hates God, then he's gonna try and destroy the ones whom God loves the most. And that's you. With that in mind, could you just jump over one page in your Bible, maybe two, to the book of, to chapter three of Genesis? Because I want you to understand how this whole struggle began. In Genesis chapter one, and chapter three and verse one, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, come on, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, oh, no, 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 we can eat from any tree, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree. There's only one that he excluded. In the middle of the garden, you must not touch it or you will die. You won't die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, you'll know good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who's the biggest loser in the story, who was with her and he ate it. <laughs> Verse seven, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. 
So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. When our passage of Scripture kicks off, when it starts in verse 1, you're reading about the world as God wanted it to be. Adam and Eve were living in a place called the Garden of Eden. It was the first part of the world that was inhabited. And in this amazing environment where there was no sin, no separation from God, Adam and Eve would enjoy something. And if you would enjoy it a little more in your life, I promise it would help you to discover more about who you are. They enjoyed fellowship with God. They'd just hang out with God. They'd spend time with God. They'd talk with God. And God would be saying, this is who you are, Adam. This is who you are, Eve. And let me show you what's possible for you in life. I put all this world here just for you. Life doesn't happen to you, you happen to life. And the Bible says, enter Satan. And along comes the devil. And he convinces Adam and Eve to sin. And the Bible says that the moment they sinned, their eyes now go from connected to God, understanding who they are, thinking that they are worthy and able, to now, their focus is on their inadequacies, their shortcomings and their failures. What they see about themselves is we are naked. So unlike my son Will, they sewed fig leaves and they made coverings. Have you ever talked with a person and you just kind of reach this point as you're trying to build a friendship where you're just like, will the real you ever come out? Or am I just gonna speak to the covering, to the facade, to the image you're trying to project that you and I both know is way out of whack with how you really see yourself? As the band, oh, just, just have the keyboardist because you all have the, the loudest walk up to the stage in, in all of the world. But as, as Jordan Smith, who I think is amazing. Do you like Jordan? Yeah. Our very own Bill Gates, people. He's amazing. The Bible says that God comes down. And in verse eight, can you throw it up on the screen? Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man, and he said, where are you? And Adam replied, I heard you in the garden. Now check out these next three phrases. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. I was afraid. Now if there's one emotion God never wants you to experience in your life, it's an unhealthy fear. A fear of you, a fear of the world out there, a fear of opportunities. But there are a lot of negative emotions going on in this room every day of your life. Self-loathing, torment, feeling like you're low, that no, no one could ever really love you. I experienced an emotion, Adam said. I experienced an emotion, I was afraid. Because I was naked, in other words, the emotion that I'm feeling comes from the way that I see myself. And then because of this emotion that comes from my feeling, it now is impacting the way I live. I hit. Rather than fronting up to challenges, I'm cowering in the background. 
rather than seizing life's opportunities, I'm trying to get away from the spotlight. I was afraid, I felt an emotion because I was naked because of a picture. And so I hid. In other words, it's impacting the way that I see my life and the way that I'm living. And so then God said, and it's my question for you tonight. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that? Now, I have two children. I've told you about the one who still needs salvation, I think. But the other one, is like definitely born again. Her name is Lara. She's 12 years old, just started high school this year. And you know, my daughter Lara, she is amazing. You know, like she just rocks up to people like, hi, my name's Lara, what's your name? You know, like I'm amazing. Like she just has this confidence. Every day of her life, every single day of her life since she was born, I've told her you're beautiful, you're amazing, you're talented, you're so, you're gorgeous. Look at you, look at how awesome, you're so good at that and this and the next thing. And you know what Lara says to me when I begin to talk to her about that? She just says, I know. She's not being arrogant. She just believes it. Every day I get home and I go, hey kids, I'm home. And Will, nothing. You hear nothing. No love out of that boy. But my daughter Lara, every day, Daddy! She runs over, nearly knocks me down, gives me a big hug. So good you're home, Dad. Imagine if I rock up home uh, any day soon, and when I get there, hey kids, still nothing from Will, expect that. Hey kids, nothing. Lara, Lara, I check the family room, she's not there. Imagine if I check the, the lounge, she's not there. Lara, wandering around the house, finally rock up to her bedroom. Lara, I hear a little noise in her closet perhaps. This is all a hypothetical story. The, 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 I can hear it, so I, I open the door. And there, in the dark, in the shadows, is Daddy's beautiful princess. Lara, what are you doing here? Are you okay, sweetheart? Oh, Daddy. I, I'm just not a very beautiful person and I don't really have a lot of potential to offer the world. And I'm just feeling very low. So I just thought I'd chill out here in the shadows and in the dark. Now, when I left her, she thought she was beautiful. When she returned to me, she's doubting it. She was happy. Now she's sad. She was confident. Now she's afraid. What's the first question every father's gonna have? Who the heck told you that? I'm a pastor, a Christian every day of the week, but right now I'm just a homicidal maniac ready to take some sucker down. Your mum brought you into this world, but my fist is about to take you out. Don't you touch my princess. And man, if you read on in your Bible, you're gonna hear God starting to say things to the devil like, what the heck are you trying to do? You're messing with my children. Man, you might have butted it, but bit their heel today, but I want you to know, serpent, that there's gonna come a day where the offspring of Adam and Eve is gonna crush your filthy little slimy head because these people are not weak nobodies. They are not rejects or unloved. 
They are children of the Most High God. They are full of potential. And I want you to know that God's got a dream for your life and a plan for your future. And God wants you to rise above every negative thing that's ever been said about you. He's coming into your life tonight. And do you know what He's asking you? Who told you that you were naked? Because you are a child and you are a son and daughter of the Most High God. God loves you by name. Jesus was willing to die on a cross for you to give you life. You're the best thing God ever made. And no person should leave this auditorium feeling anything other than God has got a wonderful plan for my life. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am too Christian for my church. I'm too cool for my school. I'm too able for my, I don't know. I haven't got a rhyme for that one. But I believe God wants you and I to know who we are. And wherever there is fear, wherever there is torment, wherever there is self-loathing, wherever you've ever felt lesser than or unable of, God's asking you a simple question. Who told you that you were naked? Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.